This is a Together Church podcast, a place to explore meaning, friendship and faith in Jesus. We'd love you to connect with our community. Find out more at togetherchurch.com.au We are going to continue a series that we began many months ago, before COVID, uh, called A Life Well Lived. And it's a series about life and discipleship and how to live well in the ways of Jesus. Now, we've had a four-month pause, and I, ref- I reflected long and hard about the idea of continuing a, season, a series that we'd done three of uh, mid-flight after such a massive break. But the reality is that discipleship uh, and apprenticeship to Jesus is at the very heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we need to recapture the heart of discipleship in our lives and in our communities more than ever before. And we definitely need to know the secret to a life well lived, which is to walk in the ways of Jesus. And so we're going to continue this series. I'm going to spend a bit of time recapping what I covered in February and March because it was a long time ago. And then I'm going to talk about uh, the next pattern or principle of discipleship, which is up, in and out. So in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so this series is based on that scripture, this uh, beautiful image of abundant life that Jesus offers us life abundantly as his disciples, as we put our trust in him, as we walk in his ways, as we learn to um, walk in his footstep and learn his habits. Uh, and, and what I said before, uh, all these months back, is that when we look at that longing to have a life well lived, uh, when we look at the longing to live abundantly, we need to actually rethink the patterns or the habits by which we live our life because the narrative of this culture, uh, the story of this secular age, says some things about what it means to live an abundant life which, which sound good in theory but if you walk them out in practice it doesn't lead to the place of life uh, and joy that is promised. Um, you know, the cultural story of our day says that if we consume lots of stuff, if we consume experiences, then we'll be happy. Uh, it says that you know, we need to be an individual and define our lives as kind of these individual people outside of community Uh, It says that we should discover our own path, we should make up our own way and follow our heart. Now, all those those messages aren't bad in themselves, but uh, if you take them and and make an idol or a god of those messages, they don't lead to an abundant life. Uh, It doesn't lead to a life of flourishing. So quite differently than that, Jesus gives us a template to imitate. He gives us a model to follow a way of life uh, and a set of teachings that actually are quite different from the teachings of our secular world, and yet they lead us to flourish and to experience fullness and wholeness in a beautiful new way. Uh, so that's what this series has been about. And, and, and the core word is disciple. Okay, so we know the Great Commission. The Great Commission says, go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. So the key word uh, to a life well lived is to, to capture and grab and understand this word disciple, which is so, so central to what it means to live an abundant life, uh, as followers of Jesus particularly. And um, the challenge, though, for the church, and this is what I mentioned right at the beginning in February, is that discipleship is a confusing word. It's used for a bit of everything. It's, it's kind of a vague and, and overused religious word that can carry so many different meanings and we lose uh, a sense of clarity about what it means to make disciples of all nations. And I was thinking of it uh, a bit like, it reminds me a lot of the castle. Who's seen the castle? Uh, yeah, from the 1990s. And there's this, this great line where um, Dennis Denuta, who is like this bumbling lawyer who is representing this guy called Daryl Kerrigan, whose house is being taken away by kind of corporate greed. Um, he says, in, in kind of standing up in the court of law, he says, it's the constitution, it's marble, it's justice, it's... Uh, it's the law, it's the vibe. <laughs> and honestly, for so much of what I listen to and read about when it comes to church and disciple making, it's the same. It's, it's praying, it's serving, it's church, it's coffees, it's going to work and being honest, it's hanging out with my kids, it's going water skiing, it's marble, it's just, it's the vibe. Your discipleship is everything and therefore it's nothing. Uh, and, and I just, I know that we can do better than that, um, because discipleship is very specific in the scriptures, and once we know what that is, we can live it out. Um, so, look, discipleship in the New Testament is methetes. So when we read the Great Commission, it's going to all the world and make methetes. Uh, and the literal translation of methetes in Greek is pupil or learner or student. Uh, and so we talked about that, but the thing about learner is um, we often think of learning in, in an incorrect way. Obviously, to be a disciple is to be a learner of Jesus, but our paradigm, our understanding of what it means to be a learner is very much shaped by Greek and Roman thinking where if you know something in your head, if you like, learn knowledge through reading and contemplation or discussion, then you know something. Whereas that's not at all what Jesus was talking about by the word learner or disciple. He was talking about being someone who knows by embodying knowledge, by living out knowledge, by putting into practice the things that you learn and therefore you truly know it. Okay, and so therefore we said that uh, while Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, his understanding of, of Mathetes as learner was much more like being an apprentice and that's why we talk about being an apprentice of Jesus. Uh, it's about immersing yourself into an experience of life where you can imitate and, and copy the works and the ways and the words of, of Jesus or those who follow Jesus and become more like him. Uh, and so rather than discipleship being the vibe, what I described is that disciples are apprentices of Jesus who seek to look more like him by copying his ways in other people and then leading others to do the same. And you immerse yourself in a culture where you become more like Jesus. Uh, so that's the foundation. I talked about a framework. Uh, do you remember seeing this? It was a long time ago, but um, I'll be very brief. We used the why, how, what framework from Simon Sinek. And in the center, a disciple is someone who wants to become more like Jesus. So that's the why of discipleship. In terms of the what of discipleship, which is at the end, 
They're the spiritual disciplines or practices that enable us to become more like Christ. Things like praying and reading, singing and serving and learning. Uh, these practices are ways in which we become like Jesus, but they don't, they don't rescue us, they don't save us. Uh, they are ways in which we express our love for Jesus because he already gave us everything. And then in the middle is the how of discipleship, which is uh, the principles that inform the, the reason we do the things we do. And this is what this series has been about, looking at the core principles of discipleship that, that shape and mould our culture as a community across Together Church. Uh, and we see these principles at play in both our missional communities, our small groups, uh, and also you know, what we're calling here is kind of big church. Uh, so this is what we've covered so far. We looked at dying to self. That was the first week. And we said that an apprentice of Jesus is someone who chooses to voluntarily uh, surrender control of their life. Uh, they, they choose to give up authorship of their life to Jesus and to trust in Jesus. Uh, and, and that's really radical. It's really different than the ways of our world. Um, now, it does sound hard and it sounds difficult, but in many ways it's an amazing trade-off because we can trust in Jesus as a loving and good, kind King. And as we put our trust in Him, He actually leads us to a richer, more abundant life. But it begins with the countercultural step of confessing our sins, of, of surrendering our life, and actually allowing Jesus to be Lord and Saviour of our life. It's such a radically different way of seeing an abundant life. Now, the second principle is that Jesus teaches us to learn through imitation, not just through information. And we talked about the idea that um, discipleship is caught more than it's taught, yeah? And that if we're to learn to do the practices of Christ, like fasting and learning and reading and praying, we're going to need to see it in action like an apprentice sees a builder or a plumber or a carpenter actually working with the tools. So we're going to need to see what it looks like to be Jesus in our everyday context and imitate that. And that's what a, an apprenticeship looks like. And that's why we orientate our, our communal life so that we can do life on life with each other and actually learn to apprentice one another in the ways of Jesus. Uh, the third habit was hearing and obeying Jesus. Now, if this diagram makes no sense, you may need to look at uh, the sermon series online, but we talked about kairos moments, and this is what we talk about being a kairos circle, where there are moments in life where God breaks into our everyday reality, which is represented by the cross, and we're invited to do two things, uh, to repent, which is metanoia, a change in our mind, and then to believe, which is to put that belief into practice, into action. And as we do that, repent and believe, repent and believe in response to what God says to us through Scripture, through community, through life, then we learn to hear and obey God and we experience a different life, a life well lived. So they're the three principles I captured pre-COVID. And we've got three principles, I think, post-COVID. So here we are. This is the one I want to talk about today, which is uh, learning the pattern of up in and out. And many of us, if you've been around for a bit, you've heard us talk about up, in and out because it's so central to what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus and so central to how we organise everything. The reason we do big church on the first and third Sunday of every month uh, and then our little communities, our little churches in homes or schools on the other weeks 
is because we want to have a balance between activities which are looking up to God, activities which are looking inwards and creating real relationship and, and activities that are pushing out and actually reaching those who are lost and who are seeking to know the love of Jesus. So we structure our community life around this pattern, around this balance, and we structure our missional communities around this rhythm and pattern as well. It's that important to us. Uh, so instead of teaching you about up, in and out, I found a video and... Uh, and it was so good, I thought, well, I don't have to teach it. The video can teach you. To be a disciple means we're learning to be like Jesus, growing in his character while learning to do the things he could do, developing his competencies. It's about character and competency. To do this, we increasingly pattern our life after the life of Jesus. So one of the questions we have to ask is how Jesus would pattern his life if he had your job, if he had your personality type, your family situation, lived where you lived, or made the same amount of money that you make. When we examine the life of Jesus in the Gospels, what we see emerge is a particular way of relating to the world around him. He is very intentional in how he used his time to invest in certain kinds of relationships. It's the pattern of his whole life and ministry. Put another way, Jesus had three great loves that his entire life oriented around. In Mark 9, 2 through 29, we see Jesus go up a mountain to pray. But this wasn't abnormal for Jesus, was it? Throughout his life, he was constantly getting away from the crowds and everyone else to spend time with his first love, attending to the upward dimension of his life, his relationship with his Father. We then see him come down the mountain and run straight into the people he's investing his life into, his disciples. Jesus was never ambiguous about who his spiritual family was. In attending to the inward dimension of his life, Jesus spent more than 50% of his time with just his spiritual family and no one else. But then he steps out into the full brokenness of the world, driving out an evil spirit from a troubled boy. Jesus attends to the outward dimension by dealing with sin head on. He's concerned with how sin affects individuals, how each person is separated from God because of their sin and doomed because of it. And he's concerned that when you get a bunch of sinful people together, they create systems of sin and injustice. Sin creates individual problems and communal problems. Jesus stepped out and brought hope to both. Three great loves. He was deeply connected to his father. He was constantly investing in those his father had given him to disciple and to be spiritual family with and he entered into the brokenness of the world with good news and asked for a response individually and communally. To be disciples of Jesus, we pattern our life in the same way that Jesus did, up, in, and out. Most people are naturally good at one. They're okay at a second, and they're fairly bad at a third, but rather than simply playing to our strengths, we commit to be learners. The invitation of Jesus is to pattern our life after His, to learn His ways, and to let His power be made perfect in our weakness. But we also recognize that because a collection of Christians is the body of Jesus, we want the full expression of Jesus, not just parts of it, so that these three dimensions saturate community life as well. Whether it's a group of eight people or a group of 8,000, 
when a group of people was committed to truly being the body of Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins stoking the fires of a red-hot center by which people can't help but be drawn into the warmth of. When we have a spiritual family learning to live into up, in, and out in a communal way, people the Lord has prepared can't help but be drawn in because this community is the gospel made visible. Good little video, isn't it? Okay, I'm in. See you, everyone. Thanks for the sermon. <laughs> It'd be good if all the sermons could just be outsourced to random people that I've never met. Um, no, but up in and out is so valuable. It's so important for us. Uh, so really that we see it in the, the pattern and the life of Jesus. And a disciple is someone who patterns their life on the pattern of Jesus, right? And so we see that Jesus heads up to the mountain. He hides in, he, he he um, withdraws to lonely places, he goes to rivers, and he spends time alone with his father, connecting, praying, learning, etc. Uh, he goes in, he spends lots and lots of time with a select group of people who are apprentices of Jesus, people who are doing life with him like an extended family. He, he goes out into the world and he transforms both individual and corporate lives up, in, and out. And, and our role as disciples and as a community of followers is to create a balance in our life as well, modelled on the pattern of Jesus. And if we are imbalanced in any one area, if we become an up and inner or an up and outer or an out and inner, and we miss one key element in our individual or corporate lives, then it starts to, it starts to show and we don't experience that full abundant life that Jesus shows us. Uh, so look, it's a very simple concept. Jesus had a three-dimensional life and we want to live like him. Uh, so let's just have a moment to reflect. Uh, is your life oriented around the pattern of Jesus? And how balanced is your up, your in and your out? Just have a moment to reflect for the introverts in the room. I like this time of silence to think. And just reflect on what God might be stirring you up in and what, what he might be saying to you. So I just want to share a little bit more about up, in and out, and then we're going to have communion. Uh, in terms of up, it's a photo I found from, I think this is one of Alice's. I, I looked through, there are so many beautiful photos from our, uh, our WhatsApp during COVID-19. Everyone took photographs of beautiful sunrises, but it reminded me. Um, now, obviously, when we look at up, it's about our relationship with the Father, and it's about our relationship with God and how we connect personally. Uh, look, I heard a story from... Uh, the other day, about a young lady who was sitting on the fence with regards to their faith. And it was interesting, when asked about what was holding them back, they said, well, they love Jesus, they, they believe in Jesus, but uh, they don't want to do all the hard stuff that relates to being a follower of Jesus, you know, stuff like praying and reading the Bible and spending time with God. And when I heard that, it really stood out to me. I'm, That's a really interesting reflection because in many ways, for me, that stuff's the best bit. Like, the reason I love Jesus is so I can hang out with Jesus. Like, and, yet, and yet for this person, it, it was a real barrier, those practices of up. And, um, you know, it's interesting. For me, I thought, well, I don't have to pray, but I get to pray. I love to pray. I get to just talk with God, and I can't imagine what my life would be like without having that opportunity to talk to God and to listen to what God's saying in response, which is prayer. 
Um, you know, I don't have to read the Word of God. I get to, you know, that, that we have a, a, li- a bunch of manuscripts which are collected together in what we call the Bible, and we get to read wisdom that comes from the Creator of heaven and earth which guides us and speaks to us, a living Word that changes our lives and gives us meaning and purpose. Like, I don't have to, I get to do that stuff. And, and so I suppose I realise that, you know, there's, there's something about up, it shouldn't be about rules, it should be about love. Uh, one of the loves of Jesus was to spend time with the Father. Uh, it shouldn't be about rules, it should be about relationship, about us connecting with the one that we love and that we want to connect with. Uh, and so essentially that's what up is about, it's about loving God, uh, being with God and enjoying His company. And it's beautiful, and we miss it if we miss it, we miss it deeply and we forget who we are. Uh, I remember um, reading in Mike Breen's book, uh, and Mike Breen coined the term up in and out, he said, can you remember God's smile? And I really, I really love this line, it's a beautiful image of up. You know, up is about remembering God's smile. It's a ripper photo though as well, isn't it? It's about, exp- I, I want to know what passage he's reading. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's about experiencing the joy of being close to our maker and sitting in God's presence. It's about feeling secure in his arms. Uh, it's a beautiful image. You know, I, I think about my relationship with my wife. You know, I don't, you know, it'd be like saying, I don't want to be, I'd like to be married, but I don't want to have to hang out and have coffees and enjoy Kylie's smile or her warmth or her kindness. You know, it's like, well, that's the whole reason I would want to be with her. Does that make sense? And, and so can we remember um, the smile of God? Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That's what the Gospel of Luke says in chapter 5. And I love this image of Jesus going to a mountain and withdrawing, um, withdrawing from work, from busyness, from uh, the distractions of the world around him, you know, from the internet, uh, from all the apps that were distracting Jesus at the time, and actually just focusing on... Uh, remembering who God was uh, and, and soaking his identity in the identity of God. Uh, I, I'm, talking, I'm spending more time on up, but I just think it's, such, it's so central that we remember who we are and we remember why we love Jesus. And out of that uh, comes all the other stuff, but it begins with remembering that um, we have a Father in heaven, our identity is in him, and we only have to do the other stuff because um, we're loved first. Uh, and it's so central. So, look, there, there are many ways, practically, in which we can do up. Uh, in our culture, I think there are three critical practices, and you've heard me talk about this in different ways. I think prayer is central to what it means to connect and remember who we are in God and remember the smile of Jesus. Uh, I think reading Scripture on a daily or at least regular basis is so important to renew our mind and, and just clear our heads so that it's not just about you know, what's happening in you know, the United States with covid but we find our identity in Jesus and God's truth, which is bigger than the truth of this world. Uh, and, and Sabbath, uh, you know, or silence and solitude, the ability to rest and to sit and to contemplate who God is, to rest deeply and to remember Him. Uh, you know, those practices really help us connect with the Father. Uh, very practically, this is my sales pitch. We pray using Zoom on a Tuesday morning at 6.15. Uh, and everyone is invited. We would love you to pray. Um, most of us are in our PJs. Uh, we're very sleepy, but it's a time where we can start the day as a community in different places and different parts of Tasmania 
and actually reflect on God together. So I would invite you to join in one of those Zoom meetings if you haven't yet done so, or continue if you are. Um, but the question, I suppose, is, uh, do you know the smile of God? And how is your up? Just pause for a moment and just reflect on that. Okay, so in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus, uh, after, after he comes down from the mountain, he goes back up again and he comes down. It's amazing how much he spends up with God. But uh, when he came down from the mountain in Luke 6, uh, it says, When morning came, Jesus called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them. Now, Jesus spent a huge amount of time with a small group of people. This is just uh, a picture of us cutting food up for one of our missional community dinners. But he spent a whole lot of time with a small group of people forming deep friendships. Uh, he even had deeper friendships with a few outs- inside of his 12. You know, Peter, James, and John, he had a particular relationship. There's something about mission that needs to be done with others. And you can't live an individual life as a Christian and do it fully and fruitfully. The in component of our life together is so important. And that's why we meet together. Uh, as apprentices of Jesus, it's a joy to be in community. Uh, it's a joy to share life together. Um, I won't go on about this much because we're called Together Church. We eat, we pray, we serve, we learn together. Community and togetherness is such a central part of who we are. I don't even need to re-explain it, but the in is the glue that allows us to both remember Jesus and also thrust, out into the, you know, thrust us out into the world as family so that we are um, big enough to dare but small enough to care, and that's why we do life together. Um, but there are different ways of doing in. One of the best ways is to start or join a missional community. Uh, and again, a missional community is a bunch of people who meet like an extended family. Uh, they have rhythms of up, in and out. They have a sense of who they're called to serve and love and bless. And we meet in different places. We have a missional community in Risdenvale, in South Hobart, and one kickstarting in Kingston. But our vision is to see these missional communities all over the place. We will have to pray that Gagebrook becomes a missional community as well. Uh, but we're praying that we'll see people put their hands up and create these extended families around the suburbs of Hobart. And that will transform people's lives in the way that we've seen them already. Uh, if you don't live in these suburbs or in these areas, then we'd still encourage you to connect in and join up. Uh, that's why we have gatherings like Little Church and we have other gatherings where you can connect in and be part of our life. And the way I see it is if you live in a place that's further away from, let's say, South Hobart or Risdenvale or Kingston, then, then commit to, to connect for, let's say, six months or connect for a year and get involved in the rhythms of extended family life and imitate some of the patterns and practices that you see in the missional communities and then start your own. And we'll bless you, we'll serve you, and we'll help you. Um, but you're very welcome to kind of apprentice yourself for a time within these communities and then go off and actually work out how do we actually start a community around uh, the rhythms of up in and out uh, where we love others who don't yet know Jesus and create family. Anyway, uh, connecting if you haven't yet done so. The last question is, no, I won't, the last bit is out. And again, you know, our poster child, no, <laughs> We, do, we don't actually serve anyone out, so we just keep putting these photos up. No, I was being lazy this time. Um, but no, it's, look, 
I'm, I should stick to my notes. Okay, the Gospel of Luke, <laughs> chapter 6, chapter 5. Jesus said to um, Simon, who was a fisherman by trade, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. And look, we have the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, we are called to reach those who are lost and who are hungry for a new life, who are seeking, um, who are seeking God in, his, in practice and in word. And the mission of God is to love people who don't yet know Jesus intentionally, uh, consistently as a community, both in the things we do, buying movie tickets, what an amazing example, and in the words we speak, telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ who actually provides true life for us so that we can be fishers of people, people who are seeking to be caught and found and, and loved and cared for. Uh, so, look, again, I've already talked about hope groups as one way of doing that. The bikes actually is a fantastic way we serve those outside of us. So the Taz Bike Collective is a way in which we are extending out into the world and actually creating a better future for young people who don't yet know um, yet fullness in life. Uh, and actually, one of the things about the Taz Bike Collective is that we're dreaming and praying about that program multiplying from Risdon Vale out to other places, which sounds very similar to what we're praying about with our missional communities. Um, but look, we, we've had people clean up streets. We've had people create places of belonging through hospitality. Uh, we've had heaps of people provide meals when we're in need, random acts of kindness, caring for families or taking on, um, you know, just caring for those who are in need of care. Um, and and look, one way we've talked about is hope groups, which we already described, but it's a way of practically sharing faith and hope with those people who are in need. Um, and again, keep praying that, you might, that these groups might continue to bless people around Tassie and beyond. Uh, the one thing I would say is a lot of us have been trained in hope groups, but we're running a one-and-a-half-hour training session every week until probably the end of the year. And if you haven't been trained, I'd really encourage you to sign up through the Together Network website and actually receive the training. Even if you don't start a hope group, there'll be great skills that you'll learn through that training and you'll get a real sense of what you can pray into with regards to this project. Uh, but again, uh, how is your out? How is your in and how is your up? So to conclude, uh, Jesus had three loves. It's very simple. He oriented uh, his life around a rhythm or pattern that we can pattern our lives on. He loved the Father and spent time in meditation and prayer and contemplation. He had a community, a family of faith that he leaned on and who tr he trained and discipled. And he went out and he blessed those who were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He, he trained people to be fishers of men. Uh, and this is not about rules. It's a, it's a pattern, a principle of discipleship that we must embed in our lives and in our community life together. Uh, and um, it's not about earning our way to God, but as we love God and we find our identity in Him, then we can't help but hang out with those who love Jesus and celebrate Jesus together, and we can't help but be compelled out into the world to make disciples. So let's just reflect on the last question that I have, uh, which is about up, in, and out. So how are you cherishing God? And, you know, do you know His smile? In, is, is God's closeness part of your life? How about your in? Are you committed to community? Do you know what it means to live life shoulder to shoulder with extended family? Are you learning those practices which are so hard in our culture? And out, are you courageously sharing your faith with those who don't yet know Him in word and in deed? Just 
pause for a moment and then we're going to move to have communion.